just like that. Second hour is here. Tuesday edition. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow here at Outkick.com slash watch. Clay Travis joins us in roughly 10 minutes. We'll have the founder, president of Outkick, joining us uh, momentarily here at 6 the Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Uh, Tennessee Volunteers in the headlines for an NCAA probe into the NIL deals and recruitment of their quarterback. That coming up in a matter of minutes. Uh, Chad, a headline that's just been uh, released that will be uh, a, a big discussion point moving forward, likely for us uh, coming up on Wednesday. Uh, so 18 months ago, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell was deposed about the lawsuit and the head injury settlement, the concussions and CTE and, you know, so and too many, one too many, uh, one is too many of the, the suicides of players that were taking their own lives and then donating in their brain to, to science, to research. Um, front office sports through Dan Kaplan has the, the transcript of the, the nine hour deposition, which was from July of 2022. That was sealed until this past weekend. So here is just a, a brief summary that I want to discuss because I, I do think this will be a major headline, especially given the timing. To the question of whether Goodell believes there is a connection between concussions and long-term brain injuries, Goodell said, quote, I think there's still a great deal of uncertainty about the causation issue, if that's what you're referring to. So he's still doubting the, the concussion link to this. Uh, Goodell said that there was a positive for the league when a player leaves his brain to science after committing suicide. He compared the risks associated with playing contact sports to walking down the street, and he expressed great frustration with the media's coverage of head injuries, saying, quote, they misstate, they misrepresent things, and when they do that, they add to a narrative that I think is unfair and unfounded. He then testified that he was unaware of the players' lawsuits alleged that the league knew about the dangers of head injuries and covered it up. And you also have Paul Tagliabue deposed here, um, who testified that he has not seen the movie Concussion, but the NFL was concerned enough about the film's reception, according to this deposition, that it hired a pollster to conduct focus groups on the movie. Again, just this is going to be a major discussion point because here we are again with what was still smoke underneath the surface about how they're dealing with this. They changed the policy midseason last year, a policy that the Miami Dolphins apparently followed, except for the independent neurologist that was appointed by the league. Um, we're just getting started with this because the denials continue to happen. And, I mean, we, we've seen League of Denial and, and much more. And just keep in mind, all the, the networks have committed contractually um, a, a lot of coverage to the league that gets a lot of positive reviews. This is not one of them. Well, and not one of keep them. in mind what's happening next week. Roger Goodell is going to have his state of the league address at the Super Bowl. Uh, there has to be a question about this. I know that the NFL really protects this thing and kind of gets the questions prearranged in order and they, they run it the way they want it run. But I would be disappointed well, if Goodell didn't respond I don't, to what he said in this deposition. So I don't think it's prearranged. I don't. Uh, because you know Kaharski would get some questions certain years and certain years no, but the the reporters that are there, if you get a question with the commissioner, you're asking something based on what you're specifically covering. Like PK would always ask about the yeah. ownership structure. Well, someone needs to specifically cover this, right. but you don't have and a, ask about it. I think what's what's unfair is you don't have a chance to, for a follow up. Yeah, because you're moving around the room so much. Chad, Tennessee, the University of Tennessee, and the uh, the football program. Uh, the NCAA uh, looking into uh, how they've handled the recruitment and name image likeness deal with with Nico. Yeah, so um, national news again for, for Tennessee. This comes a couple months, a few months after everything with the NCAA was settled in the previous investigation into recruiting violations, other violations with Jeremy Pruitt and his staff with the football program. Uh, I saw this report from Pat Forty at Sports Illustrated originally. If you read Pat Forty's report, you would think that Tennessee was in, involved in a human trafficking ring uh, that they're being accused of in this. Here's what is they're investigating. 
paying players. Okay. Paying players, NIL, and it, did they do it illegally around the rules? Uh, by the way, the rules that not a lot of people understand, but you're not supposed to have an agreement with someone that is just simply pay for play. If you were to work around the edges and tell a player, hey, we're going to get you this if you come here, this is what we got for other players, this is what we can do, and then they sign, and then you work out a deal and you make it happen then to me that's within the rules of how things go because they've done such a bad job of legislating any rules with all this. Now, what Tennessee kind of skated by in this, I don't know they totally skated, but they didn't get any postseason ban or anything else, and that's what Pat Forty talks about in his SI article. We're talking about something with Jeremy Pruitt that he's accused of doing that would have been legal just weeks later when NIL came in. So no one really cares about that. Florida State being investigated, Florida being investigated. I think we kind of had the same lukewarm reaction to a lot of these of, you know, why is the NCAA doing this? Why yeah. why do they care about this right now? What what exactly are they doing in this moment? And, and what are they trying to accomplish? Here's what I believe the truth of the matter in all of this. I don't think Tennessee is going to be in any trouble with this. I don't think that some some might believe hey, they didn't fully lay the wood to Tennessee the last go-around. They're admitting their mistake. Now they're going to go get them for this. Now they're going to go get them for the illegal recruitment of a quarterback or, or whatever. I, I don't see that being the thing here. I think the NCAA wants a pound of flesh with a collective. And I think Spire Sports and the Vol Club, they're one of the two or three most high-profile collectives. And if they can get a collective disavowed, that's going to be a victory for them. And I think that's what they're trying to do. The Gator Collective that was in charge of the whole Jaden Rashada saga, mm-hmm. they're no more. So that NCAA investigation and some of the dumb things that were done there with Florida and that collective, they don't see that as their pound of flesh because that whole deal is, is no longer really doing anything at Florida. Here is the letter from Donde Plowman, Chancellor at Tennessee, to the NCAA. Now this was received by our Trey Wallace at OutKick. You can read his coverage at OutKick.com. He's doing a great job with this story. Now, I went in and kind of cherry-picked a few lines that are interesting. And this it's a, it's a three-page letter back to the NCAA. Quote, this is from Tennessee to the NCAA. The NCAA's allegations are factually untrue and procedurally flawed. Moreover, it's intellectually dishonest for the NCAA enforcement staff to pursue infractions cases as if student-athletes have no NIL rights. As you have seen in our previous dealings with the NCAA, when we are wrong at the University of Tennessee, we admit it. We spent more than $1 million on outside counsel to investigate previous problems found in our football program and self-reported the entire case to the NCAA. This is from Donde Plowman. Important note there. When the NCAA levied their punishment to Tennessee, They said something like, you have set the gold standard for cooperation and how you handle this. They fired all the coaches. They paid over a million dollars for their own in-house counsel to get to the bottom of what was going on. We questioned whether or not that was the right thing to do. But ultimately, that sort of worked out for Tennessee. So why on earth would the NCAA then come back and say, now we're going to lay the hammer to the one school that cooperated? Jim Harbaugh and Michigan lied to us throughout. Kansas has done nothing, and Bill Self continues to win as head coach there. All these other programs tell us to screw off mm-hmm. when we come on their campus. Tennessee was the one that played ball. Tennessee hired their own attorneys and helped us out. They turned over corroborating evidence and gave us a better case. Why would they go after Tennessee now? It's a fair question. Can I give a, a theory? Uh, well, my theory is they want a collective. They want to bag a they, collective one way or the other. They also want the perception that they're in charge. And if you play ball with them, they have the authority over the university. Meanwhile, Michigan and Harbaugh, they just won the national championship and they're crowned the best in, in college football. Uh, and they represent the sport. Uh, they didn't play ball. They, they, I mean, they, they did, but they didn't. They mocked them. Yeah. You know? They, they made the NCAA look foolish well, and powerless. Well, if they thought Tennessee was going to play ball on this, well, they're not based on this letter. By the way, that was sent out on Monday from Donde Plan. I'm not they're, saying, they're I'm not not saying Tennessee would, but they have. Yeah. And, I, and again, like, I don't, 
What power do they think they have when they took a step back from the power that they did have when they were being sued? Well, and also, and they still does, are. does anyone actually care? Like, I see this, and we're no. talking about pay-for-play with NIL, which the assumption is everyone that's a player in college sports is doing this mm-hmm. to varying degrees. So do we really care about this anymore? The Harbaugh thing, someone tweeted me and said, carry that same energy you have with Harbaugh to this story about Tennessee. And I said, yeah, because it's exactly the same thing. The Harbaugh thing was so different because it appears to be something extreme that no other school was doing, that they weren't going to those. What Tennessee is doing with NIL is not different from a number of other schools. By the way, there's other schools that will eventually be reported that are being investigated also, not just Florida State, Florida, Tennessee. There's going to be others that they're looking into. I just think it's much ado about nothing. The New York Times is reporting they're investigating specifically a private plane flight, private jet flight for Nico Iamaleava from California to Tennessee for a recruiting visit. So, you know, that's something to watch. That is something that would have been a violation at any time. Now, what would probably happen is the school would have to pay back or he would, whatever the flight cost. And I think that's going to be the extent of it. I, I just... I'm trying to figure out the motivation here, Hutton, and I do think you're onto something that ultimately what the NCAA wants is to appear to be in power and to have some sort of just authority. Perception. I, I just I find it weird that this is the one they're going after. It's just any any opportunity to be to be perceived. Well, as one, one we know is that authority. they're very petty, right? So no if you doubt. lie to them, you mislead them, you disrespect them, they're going to find something to get you with. Tennessee was the opposite of that. Agreed. With the previous investigation. So it's odd that now but they'd want to go back after Tennessee. I, I, I'm totally with you. They just came in and, and the perception was they were in charge. Yeah, here's the legal it, documents. It, and here you go. Yeah, there you go. That's what Tennessee did. This is, we've, we've paid a million dollars in CAA. This is all of our findings. Take it. And please, uh, you know, just don't be, be merciful on us. That's what Tennessee did the last time. Shouldn't, should not this time. Clay Travis joins us, founder of Outkick, uh, joins us weekly. Clay, uh, what power does the NCAA currently have? How would you describe it? Negligible to non-existent um, in general would be the way that I would describe yeah, their, their power. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I uh, have the same reaction that I did uh, for the Florida State story, which is, Everybody is putting together NIL packages for players all over the country um, and spending millions of dollars to do so. Uh, so, I, you know, if they want to pass at some point federal legislation, um, they can. But the NCAA doesn't have any power over state law. Um, And so what I would expect to see is a lot of governors and state attorney generals just basically extending middle fingers in the direction of the NCAA and saying, um, you don't have the authority to do anything to our member institutions or any of the players on these teams. Yeah, it's um, it's nuts. Also nuts, Clay, is Alyssa Milano going to a GoFundMe page uh, to pay for her kids' uh, baseball trip. Um, uh, bravo to you yes, well for done. being so charitable and, and paying for that team's trip. Have you received any response at all from Alyssa Milano on your request having paid off her debt? Not unless she's. Uh, you guys have, have seen something on social media that I have not. To I have be not. fair – uh, social media is so chaotic on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I <laughs> I don't spend much time in my mentions, so uh, um, just because it's crazy um, on all facets, right? I mean, 2024 is going to be a wild year, but um, it's kind of like uh, message boards now in the uh, in the Twitter comments. People just start arguing back and forth and and everything else. So um, you know, I kind of throw. I feel a little bit sometimes like I'm a uh, uh, you know, one of those fishermen who is like in trying to get sharks and you just kind of chum the waters. So uh, I feel like I say what I what I think, uh, you know, kind of throw out the chum. And then it's just uh, it's just chaos um, in the uh, in the mentions and on social media in general. 
and I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, I, I just mean that it's, it's hard to stay, to keep tabs on what's being said from one moment to the next. But I, I have checked Alyssa Milano's uh, Twitter. I think yesterday I checked it and she hadn't said anything. I haven't seen today if she had. She's probably just hoping it blows over. Uh, Clay, where does your Chiefs Kelsey take from Christmas Day rank as your highest cold takes exposed, old takes exposed response that you've seen so far with people writing. I notice you're posting columns. People are writing about it and uh, it's gotten a big response. I've heard from two or three friends that just said, this is hilarious. And they're sending me a screenshot of, of your uh, basically declaring the chiefs and Kelsey dead. You were not on alone. Christmas day. You were not alone. Well, I mean, he was, uh, so one, I don't know. Uh, I mean, that'd be a good question for old takes exposed um, to, to break down what the most. The DeMarcus Cousins thing was great. Right. Remember when he trolled that you? Was, yeah, that was uh yeah, I was at the Super Bowl. Uh, yep. that was like a decade ago. That was a big story. First Amendment and Boobs was a big story. I don't think the First Amendment and Boobs was way off the charts compared to, to DeMarcus Cousins or uh or this one. Um I you know, I, I it's a good question. I, I don't it'd be a good question for him because he shares all these different things. I'm sure he could go into his analytics and check and see what the most shared clip he's ever had, uh, would be, um, you know, I would say, uh, in general, I thought it was pretty funny. I, I look, I mean, Travis Kelsey was on my fantasy team. So I paid a lot of attention to this and for about 10 weeks, 12 weeks of the year, he's been pretty worthless. Um, so he had a very good AFC championship game. Uh, and I know he had a couple of touchdown catches, I think in the divisional round, uh, sorry, the wild card round. Um, if I'm not mistaken or whichever, maybe it was the divisional round. Uh, but by and large, I mean, he hadn't had a catch for a touchdown in like nine weeks coming into the playoffs. If I'm not mistaken, I mean, I think he is finished now. He had a good game in the AFC championship. Um, and that doesn't mean, you know, he's a talented player. He's one of the best tight ends ever. I think he can still rise up and have good games. Right. But I think the days of Travis Kelsey being able to dominate for seasons or months of a season, I think those are done. I think he's way closer to the end of his career. Maybe he's got a year or two left uh, at the top end. I think he's 33 or 34. Um, yep. I, I think he's well on the downward slope. If you, know, if you were putting him on the golf course, I think he's like on the 14th or 15th hole. Um, and, uh, and I would expect that, you know, he won't play much more than one or two years. I think there's a universe. When did Gronk retire at what age? I, I think there's a universe where if the chiefs won the super bowl, um, he could decide to retire after this season, like his brother is doing evidently. Um, but I think he's 34. Um, uh, he's had a lot of hits, taken a lot of, uh, punishment over the years. I, I don't think he's got more than two years left in his career. I uh I, I bet against the Chiefs against the Bills and and this past weekend against the Ravens. I'm not going to make that mistake again. Um, are you are you the same way? Well, I won. I I did take the Chiefs as the more than a field goal underdog on the road against uh, the Ravens. I I lost. I thought the Bills would beat them the week before. Um, I'll decide next week uh, officially what my pick is, but I am leaning more towards the 49ers than, uh, than I am the chiefs, uh, because I like the idea of Kyle Shanahan with multiple weeks to get ready. I don't think the 49ers have played that well, you know, they've won two games, uh, but I didn't think they played very well so far. Um, I think this will be a low scoring game. I like what the chiefs defense has been able to do. I do think the 49ers front will be able to get some pressure on Mahomes uh, like they did four years ago. Uh, if you remember this game that yeah, they were basically a rematch from the yeah 2020 Super Bowl, and then Mahomes got hot late and made a couple of throws, and the Chiefs found a way to win. Um, I, I actually right now am leaning towards the 49ers. I may change my mind next week when I spend more time thinking and reading about this game. Uh, but right now, I would pick the uh, the 49ers based on Mahomes is clearly by far the best quarterback in the NFL right now. I think anybody who tried to argue otherwise would be crazy. Uh, but I do think that if you uh, break down the skill position players, that either the top four or at a minimum four of the top five guys, uh, if you were just picking Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk, I think would have to be the first three players that anybody took. 
And then I think you could argue over whether George Kittle or Travis Kelsey was the fourth best offensive player, again, leaving aside the quarterbacks. Um, and with Kyle Shanahan and, and Brock Purdy having time to prepare, um, I, I think they will have some success in what I think will be relatively low scoring. I mean, look, the Chiefs haven't given up more than 27 points in a couple of years now. I don't think suddenly the Broncos are, I mean, the Broncos, I don't think suddenly the 49ers are going to come out and put up, you know, 38 or 40 points on them. Kelsey is 33. Gronk retired at 33, Chad. Clay was correct. Wow. Yeah. So, Clay, uh, the Ole Miss women's basketball coach, she goes by Coach Yo. I do not know her full name. Um, she Yo, is mad. McPhee McCain. There you go. She is mad because a reporter reported revenue and loss for Ole Miss athletics. And in that showed that the women's basketball program lost more than $8 million. Now, she's accusing on X this guy of creating a narrative by putting those numbers out there and that he's just attempting to create a narrative and clickbait by posting that. Then she went on a four-minute tirade in a press conference about this report also. What do you think of the idea of a reporter reporting revenue and losses as creating a narrative and her response to that? I mean, the narrative is a fact that women's basketball at Ole Miss, and I think even more astoundingly to me, was LSU won the national championship last year and lost $8 million, I think, in women's basketball. Um, and look, the reality is this. Uh, men's football, obviously, men's basketball, some places baseball, are, and like two or three places women's basketball are the only sports that are profitable. But the number, I mean, to lose $8 million in women's basketball that was way higher than I thought it would be um, Same. to be candid. I, I just, I mean, that is, that is a massive amount of money to be losing. And what it really kind of goes to is every athletic department in the sec, big 10, ACC, big 12, whatever you want to point to is completely funded by football. Um, and there are other sports that can make, you know, can make small margins on the uh, positive or negative one way or the other. But, basically you have sports socialism and that is football men's players. The money that they make all goes to support scholarships and, uh, and, and sports that would otherwise not exist if it were a rational business environment. And that's what I've said for a long time really doesn't get talked about very much is that, uh, that effectively football floats the boat for every other sport. Brady headed to Fox for the uh, the lead analyst role. Greg Olson can take a number one role elsewhere. If you're CBS, do you flip Romo out and put Olson in? Well, I think they've already guaranteed like 180 million dollars to Romo. So I, you know, I guess you could if you were willing to bump Romo down to number two and pay Greg Olson 20 million dollars a year, and Fox was willing to let him out of his contract if all those things happened. Uh, potentially that would be something that could happen. Um, but I don't think there's any way they'll bump uh, Tony Romo down. I mean, he's making too much money. I think, again, he had a 10-year, $180 million contract, and I think he's only like – you guys can look up the terms on that deal. I think he's only like three years or four years at the most in that deal. So he's still got a lot of money that he can make. Yeah, that was, 20, um, yeah, that was 2017, Greg, I, 2017 when he signed it. Okay. Uh, so he's still got whatever it is, four or five years. I think Greg Olson's really talented. I think he and Kevin Burkhardt made a good tandem. Um, and I think Greg Olson can call games uh, for the rest of his adult life, you know, the next 20 years or so if he wants. Uh, or he may be interested in doing what John Lynch did and go from calling games to being a GM one day. I, I don't know what Greg Olson's long-range uh, future is, but I think he'll be able to call games for a long time. And if I were him, uh, I, I don't know that Tom Brady's going to love it. Let's see how Tom Brady does in the booth um, as a uh, as a as a game uh, caller, and uh, and let's see how long he stays committed to uh, to wanting to do it. It's a lot of travel. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on Brady. There always was on the field, but this is different. And some guys like it and do very well with it. Greg Olson's a good example. Troy Aikman's a good example. Former players. Some guys don't really seem to like it very much and kind of, uh, you know, Jason Witten, when he got the Monday night football gig, if you remember, 
uh, didn't seem to really love it. Peyton and Eli Manning have stayed away from the traditional broadcast booth and not wanted to be on the road and basically want to kick back and watch games from their, uh, from their garage or, you know, their home studios. And so we'll see what Brady likes um, and, uh, and how much he enjoys being on the road. I mean, you guys know this, you did one season with me on the road for college football going on the road every weekend is a, is, is, is a grind. Um, and that's especially the case if you're doing a lot during the week. Yep. Uh, you know, I worked for several years there, seven days a week, you know, doing a big radio show and then going on the road to, uh, uh, to do, uh, to do weekend act actions for Fox sports. I mean, that's a lot. So uh, we'll see what Brady thinks and uh, and enjoys associated with that. I just want to say this uh, as we as we uh, wrap up, Clay. I think that the script writers for the NFL, and I, I mentioned this last week. I think Kelsey retires, and I think he proposes to Taylor Swift after the Super Bowl. Uh, if he proposed on the field at the Super Bowl, it would be. I mean, obviously they'd have to win. I don't right. think you can propose on the field if you lose. Um, if uh, that would be a pretty unbelievable, uh, crazy, chaotic way for his career to end. Um, I tend to think, like I said, that he's got two years or less left. If uh, if he won the Super Bowl, is it possible that he just decides? I mean, I think he's elevated his profile to the extent that he could probably get a big deal for his podcast and or for his television. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what uh, what he ends up uh, thinking and uh, planning to do. How tired were you making the flight from uh, Australia back? Because uh, Swift is apparently doing that Tokyo to Vegas. Um, I think it depends on, uh, honestly, the trip over was fine. Uh, I, I slept uh, almost immediately. Um, I, you know, when I woke up, I was like, I could do several more hours. Now I had to lay flat bed, which is nice. Right. On the she, big jet. She will I'm too. presuming that she had, <laughs> she, I'm presuming that she has, you know, a pretty awesome private jet. She'll be way better. She's not flying on a commercial flight, right? right? She'll, she's going to be uh, asleep the entire time. On. Yeah. She'll have a full like king size bed in the back of the plane. I will say the challenge, the biggest, what I was going to say, and I don't know when you take off in Japan, coming back was actually more challenging to me because you take off around noon uh, Australian time and land at like 2 a.m. Australian time or whatever it was in, uh, in the United States. So I was super tired and I had way more difficulty sleeping. We took off at night to go to Australia so even though the time zones are very different, it felt like, oh, now's the time to go to bed. Now's the time to wake up. Um, so I don't know for her coming from Japan, um, but uh, if she can take off at night, uh, which I would guess she probably will, then I would think she'll probably sleep, you know, 10 hours and wake time. up and be in pretty good shape. Yeah. Well, yeah, the king size bed's going to help. That's my, that's California my, king. That's my Asia... Yeah, that's my Asia to the United States uh, travel knowledge. But I would bet she'll finish. Uh, I would bet she'll finish her concert at night in Tokyo or wherever she yep. is. Uh, they'll whisk her to an airport, um, and you know it'll be midnight Tokyo time when she takes off. And uh, when she lands, she'll sleep for ten hours and uh, and feel pretty good and be in good shape. This is not a nineteenth-century passage across the Atlantic. We're talking about here. Taylor's going to be in a helicopter. It wasn't for from the either. venue, <laughs> right over to a private airstrip, onto her private jet, straight in the air, asleep the whole time. She's going to be just fine, just like Clay was with yeah. a king size. You know, again with like a king size bed in the back of an airplane, right? Oh, like, yeah. I mean, it will be it will be pretty cushy. I slept really well. Not anywhere near a king size bed. Um, I think she'll barely. I mean, I, I don't think she'll feel much different than she would if she went to her hotel and uh, and got into bed bed there. Did you and woke uh, up the next day did you change it to the complaint. PJs that they give you? Um, I did not. They gave you PJs. They gave you like special socks. <laughs> That's um, amazing. I'm trying to remember. I mean, you have to put their bed bed sheet on like your lay flat. There are a lot of different awesome. uh, moving parts there. Um, Will Alyssa Milano have the like same her. travel plan when she flies to Cooperstown for her kids' yeah. tournament? Well, she might if I end up paying for that, too, <laughs> evidently. If she's, uh, I just awesome. think if you're – imagine this. This is a good debate for you guys. Okay. What would you have thought if you had been scrolling through Twitter 
And I had put up a GoFundMe for people to pay for my family to go to Australia. Well, and just think about any television storm. This is it Sam. Would have been ridiculous. This is Sam from Who's the Boss and one of the stars of Charmed that's doing it. I'm trying to think of the equivalent 80s star. If Tom Selleck, who turned 79 yesterday, is putting out a GoFundMe, I, w- I would be equally as shocked. Yeah, it would have been ridiculous. I mean, it's not even just shocked. To me, if you are asking for people with way less money than you to pay for your family to undertake some sort of luxury extracurricular activity, it's just so unbelievably tone deaf. Um, you know, it's one thing if Alyssa Milano puts up a GoFundMe and she's like, hey, I've donated $100,000 to this group and I'm asking you guys to match my donation, right? And it's some charity organization, something like that. But for your family basically to be asking for help, paying for their extracurricular activities, for somebody who is worth, you know, 10 or $15 million at least drives a $200,000 vehicle. I just think it's so incredibly tone deaf. Again, if I went on social media and asked for people to donate so my family could go to Australia, I would think a lot of people would say like, well, I don't get to go to Australia. Like your family's way richer than mine. Why should I be paying? That would be the natural reaction. Please donate for uh, my flight over for my, my bed to uh, have a sheet. Put on uh, meanwhile, I got to get back to putting Super Bowl squares out for my travel team that I coach. <laughs> Every parent's asking me to post it. I'm like, I don't want to be Alyssa Milano. But granted, this is not a GoFundMe. This is like actually Chad's going a, to match any. This donation. is an actual raffle drawing where you could win prizes or money. So we're not asking for just handouts or money from people. Clay, oh, be careful. I will. Yeah, be yeah. careful. Uh, Clay, thank you as always, man. We'll catch up soon and uh, travel safe. All right, we'll do. I'll see you yeah. guys. Clay Travis there. Uh, th- Taylor Swift is going to be fine on that, that flight from Tokyo well, yeah, to well, Vegas. I, what I, I read say, was that she has... If you can't sleep on a flight, a lot of people well, can't. The time situation can't. really weirded me out because she has a show the day or the night before the game, mm-hmm. but the way they've got it planned out, she could be in Vegas by 7 p.m. Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> so there's like going... You know, the time difference is... She's basically going to get back at the same time her show was starting in Tokyo yeah. on Saturday uh, night okay. after the show. Well, some people can't. There are some people you sit down next to, Chad. We've seen these people we work with immediately. They go to sleep yeah. on a flight, commercial flight. I, I don't sleep on flights. That's not me. I don't sleep on flights. I need to be comfy, laid flat in a bed to fall asleep. Titans on the way to London. You can tell who slept and who did not or who could and who could not. Passing out all kinds of melatonin. Oh, yeah. Didn't work. Coming up, on the bus, off the bus. A lot of people thought during the Outkick the Tailgate Tour that we were always on the bus traveling to all these destinations. I can assure you we were not. It was being towed many times. Yes. To the destination, College Station, Athens, where? Oxford, Tuscaloosa. It was never, uh, we were never traveling by bus. We were always flying with clay. Well, yeah, or just by ourselves, and Clay was flying later. But we were on the bus for maybe about five minutes each trip. Maybe. We were lucky. That's when Nancy allowed us on the bus, who was the keeper of the bus. That's right. Well, on the bus, off the bus includes Mahomes and Brady and Super Bowl victories, plus Sharon Moore and Michigan and the success rate we expect. It's straight ahead on Hot Mike. It is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow here on the Outkick Network. Outkick.com slash watch is where you can go to check out all of the live streams each and every day starting at 4 o'clock Eastern. For us, Hot Mike, head over to Outkick.com. You scroll up to the top of the page, click watch, and all the content is right there streaming live. Plus, you've got all of the shows on demand. Outkick.com slash watch. Chad, it is time to hit the road. On the bus, off the bus. We're getting on a bus that we couldn't get on during our college right. football tour. Yep. The AC works at everything. Uh, yep. Davey Hudson joins us. Sunglasses on. Always bright. The future is bright. Is this a new thing, Davey? We're going to go sunglasses all the oh, time I, when you join us? I, I think it's no, I, I think you could just morph into uh, that. It's kind of hard to read the screen at times. I've <laughs> primarily yeah. just left it for that's my quarterback and on the bus, off the bus, since I'm driving the bus and I like to wear right. sunglasses when driving. Where are we headed? And we, can, we, can, we can revisit that. We're actually going to head out to Kansas City. 
You know, the conversation okay. as we head towards this Super Bowl, a lot of it's been like, how many Super Bowls will Patrick Mahomes win? And so for our first on the bus, off the bus of today, Mahomes will tie Tom Brady with seven Super Bowls. Chad, I'm off the bus with this. Even though the dude's, what, 28 years old? Yeah. Um, the the idea that seven is just so easy to, uh, to reach is crazy to me because... He's uh, KC has a chance to win their third in five years, I believe. That's great. Um, what's Mahomes going to look like without Kelsey or Andy Reid? Because eventually that will happen. The other thing that will happen is he's going to be paired with uh, more superstars around him, and he will make guys look great. I just look around, and I especially think of the AFC and how difficult it is, and the fact that this is an offense led by Patrick Mahomes this year where they could barely average, what, 23 points per game. Some days uh, they weren't even getting 20. Uh, we saw that this past Sunday. I'm not signing up for seven. What I will sign up for is he can reach that GOAT level, but he won't be judged based on how many championships he won compared to Tom Brady. Yeah, I'm, I'm firmly off the bus on, on this one also. Um, not, not that he – I mean, he could do this, but with Brady – Remember, there were almost three different iterations of great Patriots teams he had to go through. Three Hall of Fame versions yeah, of early, his career. The mid, you know, late aughts, early 2010s, yeah. and then again, like mid-2015 era Patriots. Three different dynasties almost that he oversaw. To think that Patrick Mahomes will be able to accomplish that, even if he wins this when he gets to three, is difficult for me to think about. Andy Reid's not going to be there with him his entire career. Travis Kelsey may retire and marry Taylor Swift, according to Hutton, after this game. So he's not going to be around. To think that they could get it right two or three times to re-up a dynasty and to get to seven Super Bowls, I think is too far-fetched. I do think we're going to say he's the greatest quarterback ever by the time he's done, even if he doesn't reach that seven Super Bowl title. But I don't think he's going to get to seven, so I'm off the bus. Okay. We're going to move. And we're, we're, by the way, we're already counting that he's winning this one. Yeah, I mean, now, that, this would be we, three. But I'm saying, but yeah. if he doesn't, like, that's why it's extremely difficult to get to that, where Brady's there and he's practically winning, winning the Super Bowls where he's participating, unless it's Eli. Guys, we're going to head to the college ranks. We're going up to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Love yes. It. Love it. Sharon Moore. He's got it. Hell to he the victors. He is the full-time head coach for the Michigan Wolverines, and he will make it three full seasons as Michigan's head coach. I'm on the bus. He's going to make it three seasons. Michigan is wow. going to have something happen to them from the NCAA. I don't know what. I don't know what kind of teeth the NCAA either can show or will show when it comes to this, but something's going to happen. Scholarship reduction, something's going to go on. I think that the, he will have some leniency from the administration because of those sanctions that are going to come. I think the continuity on staff and the Harbaugh system will be enough to give them some success in the meantime. I, I think he makes it. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a, a, you know, a 10 year career in Ann Arbor, but does he make it four or five years at least? Yeah. I, I think he makes it past three full seasons. <sighs> To me, this de depends on does Ward Manuel make it that long? And Santa Ono. Old Ward. Uh, because, uh, well, I think Ono will be there, the president who uh, adores Jim Harbaugh. Uh, this is the self-appointed coach by Jim Harbaugh. Um, I, I view Ward Manuel in the new contract that he went into effect in 2021 for him. Uh, who survives this whatever? Who's in power? The NCAA or this new group of the power schools, the super conference. How soon does that come about? Because I agree with you, Chad. I'm on the bus with the, barely. I think the key is full season. Third, the third full season's intriguing here because there, there will be a shift going to the next level that I'm not sure that Sharon Moore is the coach for. This feels like just the transition era. Um, however, this is also the program that continues to beat Ohio State, even when we didn't think they would, they did. And with the new programs coming in, I'm not so sure that Michigan stays at that same level. I want to see how the NCAA proceeds now with Tennessee. 
now that Tennessee has fired back and basically said, go to hell to yeah. the NCAA after the last go around with Florida under investigation, the Florida state thing has, I guess, kind of been resolved, but if they continue to go down this path with collectives and major programs, I don't think that's going to serve them well. I think they're going to pull back a nub from most of these programs yeah. and the greater the sport at, as a whole is going to say, we, you would not tell us what to do. We were asking for clarity and you had none, and now you want to be silent. Yeah, you said it's up start, to the program in the conference. And start coming after everybody yep. you know, on an individual basis. I don't think it's going to work out well for them. I think in a weird way, it could actually benefit Michigan if they continue down this okay. path of going after NIL collectors where they're going to lessen what little power they already have if they continue to do this. And that may in turn help Michigan a little bit, even though it's totally separate cases, totally separate instances of quote-unquote cheating, however you want to look at that. It's totally different, but maybe this actually helps Michigan in a way. And let me clarify, Ward Manuel's extension expi- it, 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 it's, it was extended in 21 through 2026. So where, where is that contract for Ward Manuel? And I'm, I'm not saying Manuel doesn't like Sharon Moore. What I do know is Santa Ono breaks news on social media before Ward Manuel finds out about it. Yeah, there's uh, there's a disconnect there. Who wins that battle? And if a new AD is there, a new head coach will be there. Look for Ross Bjork to leave Ohio State for Michigan, <laughs> for Michigan. in the next two years to be the next Michigan AD. man. He's, he's Ross a man. Bjork. He's a man who likes to move around. To Michigan the next man, job. Ross Bjork. Yes. Just with their schedule getting so much more difficult of utmost integrity. We'll we'll see <laughs> what the X's and O's look like. But I think Harbaugh actually was able to coach up a less talented roster compared to a lot of these other high-profile programs, and uh, I, I don't see that from more. Could be wrong. Uh, jury will be out on that one. But, guys, we're not going to go far over, and we're going to head to Detroit. Ooh, Dan drive. Campbell, yes. Been a lot of conversations about Got to get through eight mile, though. being incredibly conservative versus you know going all out on fourth downs. And we did get the news earlier today. Ben Johnson, OC, going to be returning to the Lions for next season. But Dan Campbell gets the Lions back to the NFC Championship during his tenure. Hell yeah. I'm on the bus with this. No one thought they were going to the NFC Championship game this year. No one. No one thought they were going to beat Kansas City to start the NFL season. And they went to KC and won that game in Arrowhead. Look, Dan Campbell, for as boneheaded as, as we want to make that, that call out to be, and I wouldn't have done it, would not have done it. I, I would have kicked the field goal in that moment. It didn't work out. But he's done a hell of a lot of things that have worked out. And Brad Holmes has done a hell of a lot of things that have worked out in Detroit. They have rebuilt that roster. They have a really solid core coming back. I think he gets back to an NFC Championship game. Do they ever get to the Super Bowl? Eh. I don't know that I'm on the bus with that, but I do think they get back to that point at, at some point. I am off the bus with this. Oh, no. Jared Goff next year is the final year of his contract. And then Hooker waiting in the wings. They, that's Just true. Throw that out there. They're discussing what to do with his contract. He's due a big extension. Um, they have young talent that will eventually have to be paid. And that comes sooner rather than later. I like what Brad Holmes has done as the general manager. I love what Dan Campbell has done. He's held everyone accountable, including ownership. Love it. The Ben Johnson return is fascinating. It's huge for them, too. That's also why I'm not sure Dan Campbell, uh, if you have a down year or two, Ben Johnson's still there. Um, and everyone would laugh at this right now. Coaches get fired all the time after having big success. And, well, if you continue to not have success when you go for it on fourth down, the tide will turn on the sentiment of if you're winning or losing and what you cost us. Even he would admit, by the way, he admitted at the podium after the game, he just told his team, we may not make it back here immediately after the game. I love the honesty, the brutal honesty, and I guess that's where I'm coming from too. I'm off the bus on it because uh, just, again, I'll, I'll just say as the example, ask Joe Burrow or Jalen Hurts how they feel about that right now. They have to grind it out because it's not as easy as it seems two or three days after you lose. I, I want to ask a real quick follow-up. If you're starting a program from scratch, who would you rather have as your head coach, Mike Vrabel or Dan Campbell? Dan Campbell. I, it's a difficult question. Yeah, I mean... I, I bring it up because I would say I view, Dan Campbell, but he got to one championship game. Vrabel got to one championship I, game pretty early. I see this happening for them too, where it's like, hey, Arthur Smith came back for another year. They thought they were going to run it back, and then things, they looked like they had a, a strong young core. Things started to fall apart. So, I've been adamant about, I don't like using a first-round draft pick on an inside so, linebacker and a running back. 
We'll see if that hurts them whenever it comes through building through the draft. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Davey. I would lean Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes because they're building through uh, their passing offense with what they've who they brought in. That's the way of the I league just, and the way of the NFC. I just think it's nuts that how quickly everyone went from making fun of Jamel Hill for saying that a black guy should have gotten the job and not Dan Campbell, and this dude's a moron, right. for talking about biting kneecaps and trolling her and everyone else who had a problem with that hire to a week later, uh, this guy sucks. Let's let's get him out of here. You know, no, he's, he's, no, he's no, one, done. no. Well, I know there are a couple of people saying that. He's on his way down that, now, and I, I'm thinking, come on. No, we're, we're simply talking about getting back to the NFC Championship, one of the two best teams in the NFC. And, and like you guys mentioned, it's hard it, to get it back to. It took there. the Lions 67 years to reach that point. And Dan Campbell got them there. Mm-hmm. He will always be the guy that got the Lions back there. Now, do I think Lions fans are going to expect that every year now? I would hope not, given what they've been through. Now, what is the falloff for him? You know, what if they just become a team that has a winning record and gets in the playoffs and lose a game? Do the two, three years down the road, do they fire him? If that's the case, I, I, I just, just I think it's crazy how quickly we fell off a cliff because everyone's pissed off at a guy who went forward on fourth down, but the, who always goes but, forward on fourth but down. But let's, let's be real about this, though. Sirianni's fallen off a cliff after going to the Super Bowl, and the reason is the locker room fell off a cliff. It's not that hard to see that happening across the league. It's no, not. but that's – we're talking about one decision, though, for Campbell. That locker room didn't fall off a cliff. Well, That locker room is no, united. absolutely not. This was a month-and-a-half-long slog down a mountain from Nick Sirianni before anyone said anything about him. But, uh, but I'm, I'm judging it on – will he be the coach that gets them back? There are so many factors aside from the fact that even if he is the coach for 10 more years, that it's tough to get there. Um, Because, I mean, you deal with a lot of prima donna and pouty players. Life comes at you fast from trolling Jamel Hill for her take about Dan Campbell sucking to the five days later, the same people saying Dan Campbell sucks and he's not going to get the job done. Amazing to me. 67 years it took the Lions to get there. He got them there. I'm, I'm saying, hell yeah, he'll get him back. All right, guys, we're going to head over to uh, the other team that lost this past week in the AFC Championship. We're headed to Baltimore, Maryland. You know, you look at the Ravens, a lot of the conversation going into the season was, wow, they've been able to sign Odell Beckham Jr. Ultimately, at the end of the day, they paid him one year, six for one year, $16 million is what he ultimately made. Do you see the Ravens re-signing Odell Beckham Jr.? Uh, off the bus, not even considering uh, the, the the bus route here off the bus. No, um, he did a great job of marketing what he did in LA and uh, how he parlayed that into multiple teams having interest and Baltimore bid on that. They're trying to go for it. It's no different than what we've seen from other teams in the past. Chad uh, uh, Julio Jones comes to mind, yeah. but there are others. No, a lot of high profile no. wide receiver additions for teams going for a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I forgot he was even playing the game until midway through the second. He half. got a fourth down reception that was big that kind of kept it alive. At one point, it was like a fourth and two, a little stick route. Yeah. I saw him catch, but that was yeah, really he was, late. He was pretty quiet up until that point. Uh, no, Ravens are not going to re-sign Odell Beckham. I'm curious to see what his future holds, or if this is the end of the road. For I don't him. think it's the end of the road, but it. I mean, it's the end of the road of this deal. All right, guys, another trip. Not too far away. We're headed down to Washington, D.C. We kind of thought, hey, we might have an answer as far as what the commanders are looking to do at their head coach position. Uh, word is not out yet, but the commanders will hire a former NFL head coach. Uh, the Ben Johnson thing is interesting. We need to spend some time on this on tomorrow's show. If he truly demanded $15 million or I'll stay as offensive coordinator, I, I would question how much he really wants to be a head coach at that point. If I'm an owner, I'm thinking maybe this guy just likes to be a coordinator. And that's great, by the way. I respect the move regardless. If he's happy in Detroit to say, I'm either going to get paid an astronomical amount of money or I'm going to stay here because I'm happy. But then if I'm an owner, I also second-guess his desire to really be a head coach if that's what he's doing and pulling with other owners. Um, I think they hire a former head coach. but You do? I do. Um, I, I don't know. This is a tough uh, one to – Okay. Because they clearly wanted Ben Johnson – I, well, and then they decided they didn't. Uh, okay, so... That he was too rich for their blood, I, apparently. I, I am off the bus with them hiring a former head coach because I think it will end up being one of these guys. Um, it will be, let's see, Aaron Glenn. Let's just stay in Detroit. Aaron Glenn, Mike McDonald, the defensive route. If Ben Johnson's turning it down, I think they're going more of that way of thinking, the defensive 
side of things. Again, just trying to figure out why he wouldn't want it with Josh Harris running things in Washington. Uh, I don't think it's Vrabel. I've yet to hear Vrabel's name there. I think it would be a great idea. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Belichick makes sense because we heard it for a long time. Does it make sense? It, apparently not because he hasn't been mentioned now in a few weeks there. Uh, it's not going to be Pete Carroll. Um, yeah, I mean, I... I think they're going younger and and Dave, you should apply for this job. I mean, we, we thought about applying for the Michigan job. Mm-hmm. I, I think you should apply to be the next commander of the commanders. I like not having to do the recruiting side of things. Yeah. Gives you former, an off season. Chad, the you former can go, head to, coach. go to Australia like Clay if you'd like on a private jet, do all those things. It, it could be uh it could be Dan Quinn to fit what you're saying, former head coach. Former head coach could be him. Who knows what they're gonna do now? But how about Ben Johnson just walking in saying fifteen million where I walk? I'll go right back to Detroit. No one's ever said that before. You know, 15 million or I'm going right back to Detroit, baby. I love it there. He didn't love even want, in Detroit. He, he, he did. He was, uh, the Titans asked permission. He, he was granted permission everywhere except there. Uh, so I don't, I don't even think he I think wanted to kind of add to your own legend. If you play hardball to that level, but if you play yeah. it too hard for too long, then every owner is just going to say, this dude doesn't want to be a head coach. He wants to call plays. He's not serious about being a head coach, or he'd jump at one of these jobs. Because there's tons of coordinators. Uh, I'll do anything. Yeah. Right? Like Brian Callahan, based on his interaction, he walked. He said, "My agent doesn't want me to say this, but I will do anything to be the head coach here. Get me the hell out of Cincinnati. <laughs> Their chili of sucks. There. I'd much rather be a head coach. It's a little here. bit of Andrew. Luck. I kind of gargled wow. a little bit. I a little water was stuck in my. Was, <laughs> I'm just gonna say it's Andrew Luck. I would do anything to get out of Cincinnati. Obviously, <laughs> I would do that. Andrew Luck, Luck is back, baby. <laughs> Andrew Luck. Why is can't back. Taylor Swift date Andrew Luck? You imagine yeah, that pair? I'd like to hear hear about their book club. Imagine that together. book club. Be great. Instead of, I think Andrew celebrates her entire catalog, going back to her early country work. He does have two young kids? You can see that. Does got some Swifties. Davey, great job on the tour today. Is Andrew Luck married? I don't know. He has a family. Man, that guy's kept his life. It's private. An intellectual. Family. He's kept his it's life tough. private. Yeah. Kudos to him. Back at it tomorrow. Join us 4 o'clock Eastern. Has anyone ever seen his Hot wife? Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow here on Outkick.com.